Testing, 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 do you read? We in here! It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Episode 15 of the Midday Man of Sports Podcast. Eric Miller alongside Noah Pagler. Uh, Noah, how are you? It's been a long time, sir. I've been doing all right. Um, just enjoying the weekend as college basketball just officially wrapped up. But big week this week. Play ball. It's finally here. I mean, it was supposed to be last week, but we didn't have to wait much longer. But it's finally going to be here. And our Red Sox, Yankees series to start off the year you couldn't ask for anything better the only thing i just wish was that it would stop raining i mean that's what we get for being in april because you know it just happens to rain at the beginning of the year so i just gotta wait one more day to see the red Sox. but how about you doing eric pretty good you know i believe this is why they say april showers bring may flowers just saying and this is also goes back to my argument that i made about a month or so ago on our show was why do we have spring training in April? Why not just have spring training in April, start the season in May where you're not going to have all the weather delays anyways. Just saying, just saying, I said this, but nobody wanted to listen to me. Yeah, that's an idea. I mean, if it's as long as it's not raining in Florida, it, never, it barely rains in Arizona. Exactly. See, they're fine. They don't have the wet season down there. Yeah. So I've been okay, you know. Had a lot of stuff going on this weekend. WrestleMania happened this weekend, which was kind of predictable, not going to lie. Although my favorite part of WrestleMania was uh, the return of Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. I love his music also. His uh, entrance music is pretty fire. Uh, So that was good. But, I mean, kind of knew Roman Reigns was going to win. Basically knew Kevin Owens was going to get stunned. Did not see... Vince McMahon wrestling against Pat McAfee after Pat McAfee just wrestled again previously before that. So he won the match. He was one and known WrestleMania. Then he challenges Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon just owns him, which no offense. I don't think any 70 year old guy should be doing because whew, if you go on YouTube, mm, there there's a video, Mick Foley he used to be mankind um he used to be a lot of dude love was another character he had and there's a lot of characters that he had but (laughs) the botch of the stunner when stone cold come out and stunned vince mcmahon for old time's sakes man that was uh that had mankind mcfoley cracking up laughing on instagram so if you check that out that Hearing his laugh is amazing. Uh, but again, with uh, with uh, good times, there's also bad times. And with that, it's uh, Coach K. His final game came on Saturday night. I was literally on the edge of my seat. And at one point at the end of the game, last like minute and a half, I was like, all right. And I could picture it in my head. Either I'm falling down and I'm thanking the gods above, we're going to the championship, or I'm going to sit in disbelief that North Carolina actually just won and took the place of Duke in the national championship game. And, of course, that is what happened, uh, and it sucks. But it it was great for college basketball because, let's, let's face it, the last two years have sucked. The last two years 
we're not normal. The last two years with COVID and the uncertainty of sports and the uncertainty of life and just in general uncertainty, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know, are we ever going to have sports again? Are we ever going to be able to live our lives? No one knew. And to have this year, this tournament, these four teams, the best of the best, you, you can't ask for anything better than that. You can't ask for Villanova, who's the best team in the Big East right now. You can't ask for a better team in Kansas, who's also the best team in the uh, Big 12. And you have the best rivalry in all of college basketball with Duke, North Carolina. Regardless of where they are in the rankings, Duke and North Carolina will always be the creme de la creme of rivalry games. And it was so good, such a great game. I think the largest lead was 12 points for, or no, I think it was six points, maybe seven. I, it didn't seem like it was going to go for long because at one point, North Carolina came out on a 10-0 run in the second half. And I'm like, uh, Duke, are, are you going to play? And the one interesting thing that I noticed in the tournament, Hubert Davis only takes one timeout in the first half. He saves the rest of his timeouts in the second half. Coach K would take one timeout, and then he would take another timeout sometimes in the tournament. But in this game, he took two timeouts in the first half. That's very unorthodox for Duke, and it's very unorthodox for Coach K in this tournament. So I wonder what was the moment, again, too big for this big group of freshmen? Because let's face it, this freshman group was very talented. This freshman group was probably the most fun I've had and most frustrating that I've had watching this team over the years. But, man, it was such a fun ride. It was such a fun um, – just a reminder of what Coach K is, you know. And I remember I didn't fall in love with Duke – until I was 15. And it's an interesting story because when I, when I was 15, a quick backstory of me, uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm a foster kid who was adopted, who adopted parents were divorced after a couple of years. And then I was back into the state system. So that's a quick, like little overview of my life. When I was in the system again, I was in the key program. Key programs were like, all these kids come where they have, uh, not problems, but they need to figure out how to deal with people. They need to figure out how to live a, a in a normal life, live in a society where, hey, this is not right. This is, just because you did this doesn't make you who you are. You can be better, which is how I always looked at it. And when I was there, we would watch TV, we would hang out. And the staff member, one of the staff members that I would frequent hang out with and talk to, he was a North Carolina Tarios fan. So again, me, and obviously, Noah, you kind of know this about me as well. If you're a fan of something, I'm going to be the opposite of you, right? You've kind of noticed this about me for a while. Um, my dad, who I now have, is uh, a North Carolina Tarios fan, and I became a Duke fan. My dad is also a Red Sox fan. I'm a Yankees fan. <laughs> it's like, and he's also a Patriots fan. I'm a Jets fan. So I mostly make my decisions based on the people I love, but it's because it gives you part of a, a relationship with them. And when I, and again, I, the, the dad and the mom that I have now are not the same people that I had before, which I love them to death now. Um, but it was just so crazy. I remember watching and JJ Reddick was the player at the time. JJ Reddick was that dude. He had already established himself as, the ACC player of the year, the national player of the year. All he needed was a championship. And he, again, has said 
in 04, 05 season when they lost to UConn, that that should have been their year. It unfortunately wasn't. Uh, but he had one more year of redemption. They won the ACC title. And then it also brought me to my next favorite college player, Greg Paulus, who was a freshman at that time, who got in the face of the senior, Jared Dudley, who now who used to play for the Nets, used to play for the Suns. I don't know where he plays for now. But those were the guys that I remember falling in love with. And I remember seeing the passion. And I remember seeing the love that Coach K had for his players. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a fan of this team. And I also love the Cameron Crazies. The Cameron Crazies, there's nothing like them in all of college basketball. And it for the last – I'm 32 now, so it's been 17 years that I've, I've watched Duke. I've only seen them win two national championships. I don't count – like, they already won the previous three when I was too young or I didn't watch college sports. But the last two really meant the most. And I was really hoping for the 2019 season to, to, to do something special. Uh, unfortunately, New Michigan State team had other had other plans. Uh, Cassius Winston, I believe, was on that team. We talked about that already once before on the show. Um, and I thought that was the closest team that we were going to get to seeing Duke win their sixth national championship. Then this team came along. This team slowed everything down. They simplified everything. And unfortunately, in the game, they just weren't making the shots. They they were dying from the three-point line in this game, which is which sucks because the majority of the points came from the paint for the last four games for Duke. And now all of a sudden you're relying on a three. And again, once you rely on the three, you die on the three, and it's exactly what happened. But talking about Coach K, it's 42 years. Think about that for a second, though. You're what 24? 23, going on 24. Okay. So close. That's like half your life right there. Like Coach K, one symbol, one man at one job. How many times do we ever really see that happen in life? You know, you can't, you can't spell Duke without K. It's just a, it's, it's a crazy thing to think about, but it's so true. And Duke is still going to be Duke. They have John Shire. They have the next guy. They have the guy that, Shire's been with him since he was 17 years old. He's been the guy that he's kind of groomed and made sure that this is who we're going to have as the next guy. But Coach K, what he has done, think about all the lives that he's impacted. Think about all of all the people that he's had in this life or all the people that they've had in their life that didn't have one person to believe in him. But he was that one guy. He helped Jay Billis become a lawyer and now one of the biggest uh, guys on ESPN for college game day. Um, there's so many other different play- former players that he's helped get them to the spot they want to go because there was one person that believed in him. Um, I-, I think one thing I hated about when Duke lost is right away when people were like, well, how does this, how do you feel about your legacy? How are you having time to reflect? No, I hate when people ask when it's the final thing. And now what does this mean about you? Let's make this about you and not the team. Coach K was never like that. Coach K was always about the team team first. Then I'll be able to reflect. Then I'll be able to right now. It's too emotional right now. It's too much for these kids. It's too, it's too much for me to talk about for him. And I've always loved that about Coach K. And whether he won or lost, his legacy was already set in stone. This game, yes, it stinks that he lost to North Carolina. And I know there's been a little speculation that he may come back. He may pull a Tom Brady. There's no way in hell he's doing that. 
Coach K has already said, I'm done. I don't, I don't want to do this. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready for my next life. And I'm ready to spend time with my grandchildren. I'm ready to spend time with my wife, who's been my biggest supporter for 40 plus years since they've been married. Um, his legacy was set. His mindset was always on his team, this team. Um, and, you know, you always seem to miss the things that you love the most afterwards because it was real. And that was something that Coach K brought. And if there's a few words that I can think of that I remember that I'm always going to think about him, it's his confidence. He always put confidence in his team. No matter what you do, you go in with confidence. You do it to the best of your ability. You have the passion for whatever it is that you're going to do. And he showed that every game when he was coaching, every time you saw him on the court, he showed that passion. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was most of the time him that would stop or like hit the ground with the hands and tell his team, like, let's go. Let's show this energy. I loved his energy. I loved his greatness. I loved his craziness. And he brought the brotherhood to life. And it's because of him, 42 years he had, he only had three daughters, but think about all the sons that he had and all the brothers and the relationships that he made. And it's just unbelievable career that he has. And is it going to suck? You're damn right it's going to suck. But Duke will move on, and it'll be for the right things. The right team won the national championship. Let's, Let's face that first. The right team won. Kansas was the best team. Kansas from January on proved we are the team to beat. Good luck trying to get to us. Now, they were forgotten because it was the Duke versus North Carolina game. But once that national championship game happened, they proved we're the team to beat. No one else is going to beat us. And even if Duke had gotten to the national championship, I still think Kansas would have won that. But that that is my thoughts about Coach K. And I, uh, for the first time, I will admit, I didn't shed a tear. I will admit that. I did not shed a tear. I was upset, but I just smiled because you know what? What a ride was it? What a ride that we were on this entire year in the last 42 years for Coach K. And I, as a Duke fan, I thank him so much for everything that not only that he's taught his team, but he's taught us about life and just taught us that if you were listening to him or if you looked at him, you watched him. He's just such a great guy. He's so blessed by God. And that is that is a man that if you were to be someone, be like that guy. Yeah, Coach Mike Shashevsky <clears throat> was so close to getting back to the national championship game, and North Carolina just had to pull one more on them just for old time's sake. And you look at this, Coach K just in against North Carolina, some of his biggest games, or when you look at it, his first I believe SB Nation posted this first loss of his career as a Duke coach was against North Carolina. His last game at Cameron Indoor was a loss to North Carolina, and his last NCAA tournament game was a loss to North Carolina. I I mean, (laughs) you call it fitting because obviously Duke and North Carolina, biggest rivalry in college basketball. I don't think there's really anything that could match it, and it was a privilege to see it played out on the national semifinal in the final four and now there you go. North Carolina, they at least have the bragging rights for that. But mm-hmm. all, all Duke needs is one more national title. And they'll be <laughs> like, hey, we're right there beside you. And exactly. I, yeah, so they still have that to try and set themselves out to accomplish. Jay Williams was the one 
or some of the people that have been saying that, yeah, Coach K might come back, you know, to help with the recruiting. I mean, there's a big difference between Tom Brady and Coach Krzyzewski. <laughs> Talk about 30 years worth. I mean, there's a different feeling when you're 45 and you still want to play football than being a coach in his 70s. And like, yeah, I've done this for 40 years. It, it, it's time to move on. I mean, he, they calculated all the hours that Coach K has spent, I believe, at least watching film. And I think it totaled about over, I want to say 8,000 hours. Oh, and it was 8,000 plus. Yeah, I saw that. It was close to around, if you calculated that time, almost an entire year's worth, like 355 or so days of just watching film. Obviously, you spaced that out, but that's how much time when you really crack it all down, you dedicate to a team and focus on just mastering the craft and building players up. And I believe coach K even talked about family during his speech mm-hmm. at Cameron indoor and talking about his family, about how Duke was a family and how he brought that there and how he felt just as a family. And that was a big part of his speech. And that's why it's so hard to see coach K go after all this time but it just definitely feels like the right time and they will be in good hands. Oh yeah. This program has been changed forever. Thanks to Mike Krzyzewski. And then you brought up that good point. You can't spell Duke without K. And that is definitely really just good. Just makes it really more of a connected feeling. And I'm not even a Duke fan, but that is great right there. And yet it's tough to see that Duke wasn't unable to defend the title, but it was a great run. Back to the Final Four. That's at least what people wanted. And yep, that's yep. what made it great. And in the end, they at least got to watch Kansas take down North Carolina. I mean, they were North Carolina was winning by 16 points, and it was the largest comeback in NCAA championship game history. No one's ever done it before. And there you go. I mean, you can almost call it the whole 28 to 3 of the basketball world. Just saying. Just saying, because 28 to 3 was considered one of the, the biggest blown leads in a championship game. So, I mean, shots I, fired. I, that's just my take on it. But <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll, I mean, if it, I've rooted for Duke over North Carolina pr- practically every single time. So that's what I got to say. Wow, the one thing that we actually have in common, though. <laughs> eh, again, my brother's a Duke fan. So. <laughs> I think one thing that uh, Coach K said over the loss uh, over North Carolina was you're either crying for joy or you're crying for sorrow. And if and if you are, that means you've put everything into it. And that right there is just another great thought of Coach K giving you something to think about. And just the way that he coached, it's just like he put the craziness into Cameron. And I don't know if you saw They've obviously have changed the the national championship trophy because that thing looks gross back in the early 90s, late 80s, 90s. That thing looks so much better now. Have you seen those things from the late? I I don't think so. Oh, man, because there's this wonderful video on YouTube that I just posted on our Facebook page last night. And if it if it doesn't give you a tear in your eye or if it doesn't give you chills, like, I don't know what you're watching. You're clearly not watching this correctly, but. The video is finally him reflecting in Cameron indoors by himself. They have the two big screens in the gym and most of the lights are off except the ones on the banners of the five banners that he's won. And 
it's just so cool of all these former players, Grant Hill, Jay Billis, Nolan Smith, John Shire. I mean, the list goes on and on. Current NBA players that he coached overseas to win three gold medals. James Harden, Kevin Durant, um, Anthony Davis, just the name, Carmelo Anthony, just to name a few. Like those those guys, he's had so much impact on. And even he, even in the, the Mamba Mentality book, he's mentioned in by Kobe Bryant because Kobe said, or that I remember one conversation that Coach K had with Kobe. He's like, you know, I never get uh, double teamed at the three. I never get, I never get straightaway threes because I, I'm always double teamed. And Coach K was like, well, you won't be, and we'll teach you how to get out of that. And ever, ever since then, he always knew how to get out of the double team and get a straightaway three. And it even he took that even into his career later on. And just the things that he said and things that he did and that he allowed people to be who they are. You know, he allowed Zion Williamson, this huge inter- Internet sensation who could dunk on anyone, uh, just be Zion. And even R.J. Barrett, who they had and um, just so like. So many guys. He just allowed JJ Reddick. Um, he got on his case several times. JJ Reddick has said on his podcast before that. Listen, I love Coach K, but he he was like a father figure to me, and it, it's just amazing to see the impact. And again, it sucked, but like you can't help but smile and just be like, you know what? He did everything. The team did everything they could. You can't you can't just you you gotta let it go sometimes. Sometimes it's just not your night. And Saturday night, uh, it just was not Dukes. And sometimes we also don't understand the journey. But when we later look back, that's when we realize how much impact we've had on people's lives. And it's just, it's crazy. Uh, So it's just, uh, it's so great. I'm going to miss watching Coach K, but John Shire is a smart guy. John Shire is definitely, I've always liked John Shire when he was on that 2010 national championship team against Butler. Um. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird, but it'll definitely be interesting to see. And who knows? Like, North Carolina, I feel like it's going to be there within the next two years anyways, because some of those players, or even I would say either next year or the year after that, they're going to be there because if Baycott comes back, then he's going to be a senior next year. Uh, You're going to lose Manic, but you still have R.J. Davis, and you still have – uh, I believe Caleb Love is back as well. So those guys, you already have a good core of North Carolina Tar Heels right there. You just got to build around them. I think this Tar Heels team could win the national championship next year, and I know they will not be overlooked like they were this year. Just because the North Carolina team is at number eight doesn't mean squat. And then we're eight team can make it to, to the NCAA tournament. Kentucky did it in 2014. Georgetown did it back in the 80s. Number eights mean nothing. Now, if you're higher than an eight, maybe 11 or 12, that's a different story. But that I kind of felt like maybe they disrespected North Carolina a little too much, even after beating Duke in, in, uh, in Durham in Cameron Stadium. That to me, when they, when they did that, they should have been at least maybe a five seed, not an eight seed. They, there's no way they deserve that, that low of credit. And I well, think maybe they took that as as a little like slap in the face or a wake up call for them. 
Yeah, they'll take that as disrespect. And then they look at the teams they play. They had to beat Marquette, and then you took down Baylor, the defending champs, and then you look at how they had to beat UCLA, another team that made it to the Final Four, and then you got the Cinderella's of Cinderella's by taking on St. Peter's. (laughs) Yeah, right. uh, I mean, that was at the right time when the team's finally exhausted and accomplished an impossible feat, getting to be the first 15 seed to be in the Elite Eight. And you would think for Duke, I mean – Every match against UNC would have lit a fire under them, but oh, yeah. they did what they could. I mean, a four-point game, and, I mean, you can only do so much to try and uh, keep up with a team that shot better on the threes, but you mentioned that Duke wasn't a three-point shooting team that year, so that they just tried to play to their strengths, and sometimes in a game it just doesn't work out, especially on the national championship setting. And then that's how we end up with UNC trying to – beat Kansas and didn't come up quite short in that regard. But then now you mentioned UNC has a, they're usually a tough team to take down, especially year to year. And I mean, you look at how they ran things back in from 2016, you lo- you lose yep. to Villanova the next year, they run it back and they ended up winning that championship the following year. So I'm sure that these programs will be well run for years to come. And then you look at Duke. I mean, it's just going to give that awkward feeling, of course, knowing that coach K isn't there for a bit, because again, it's, it's the same way with the Patriots when Tom Brady was gone. It was the same way with the bulls when Michael Jordan was gone. And I mean, even with the Patriots still one coach Belichick is finally done with the new England Patriots. The Jets (laughs) have a chance. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the the Jets will finally feel like we're free. We're free. We can do it. And then you realize, oh wait, it's Buffalo. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just for a short moment. There you go. I mean <laughs> But Hard that's, to know. That's just uh, that's just how it's gonna feel when you know with next year when Coach K is not on the floor. But he's still gonna be around around the college. But oh yeah, definitely gonna be a uh, d- different feeling. But it's gonna feel good for Duke. Yeah, it'll, it'll be good. It'll be interesting to see because obviously Shire is like a miniature version of Coach K. Anyway, so you're not really. It's not like the some guy that's off the street that he's only been coaching maybe a D2 school or something. Like, Co- Coach Shire's been there for quite some time. He was on that national championship team in 2010. He was also on the national championship team as a coach in 2015 with Nolan Smith and Emil Jefferson. Emil Jefferson was a player at the time, but they have quite a few players, and they, they'd like to stay homegrown anyways. So, uh, And obviously, Coach K's coaching tree is crazy like long you know um because you got uh capel at uh pittsburgh which newski is oh, i believe is in a he was at the big at a big east school greg paulus was at ohio state at one point uh he's at a d2 school right now but now you have john shire nolan smith is now joining louisville on the as an associate head coach so there's quite a few people that have uh, some ties to Duke. And even it's really funny. I was listening to a lot of different people this week talk about Duke. Some of the like people that work at Duke are actually North Carolina Tar Heel fans. <laughs> Sometimes it just happens, you know. It's crazy. Like, they're still fans of the game, but they just work at that school. It doesn't mean they actually love the, the school or the athletics because sometimes North Carolina is better. Um and it just is how it is, you know. 
Well, I mean, the one thing that I always hear in sports is that you're going to work for a sports team, but are you going to like them? I was going to say most of the people you'll come across aren't necessarily a fan of that sports team because the thing is, is that the emotions and how you feel at the club. I mean, sometimes it can affect how you work and um, that's the unfortunate truth. And so that's why it's like, uh, you look at some of these other teams, like like the Red Sox, like the Yankees. I mean, they don't necessarily like the team that, that they are working for. I mean, maybe that's how it is with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, where it's like everyone cares about the Eagles, and that's why they're always having an up-and-down season because it just affects how they feel. Or the Washington Commanders. Uh, yes, <laughs> the, the Commanders. I got to keep, keep, keep calling them that. I mean, I've gotten so used to calling them football team in the past few years. So now also the new uniforms and I don't they're even not really new. They're, they just look the same. They just have a different commander on it. Yeah. But they, got, but they got black and yellow now. Like they got, oh, they're uh they're Steelers. Well, yeah, they, they, they got like an old alternate black and yellow look now for uh, like some of their alternate jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. But I thought Kansas, obviously they were the good, they were the one team, and ironically, I mean one team, but I thought they should have been the number one overseed, overall seed in the play-in or the uh, the tournament. I didn't think Gonzaga deserved it. And I think Gonzaga now, we're starting to see when the big boys play, they go away. When the big teams are out of it, they have a chance to win it. Because think about that. For last year, they had a perfect season. Who did they really play to get into that championship game? Now, they played UCLA, which UCLA in the last 15 years has not been UCLA that we're so accustomed to hearing about because obviously we're we're still in that you know, younger generation of not knowing who the heck UCLA was. They go by their reputation from like 40, 50 years ago. That's not the same UCLA team. I think the last UCLA team that was actually good was when Kevin Love played and Russell Westbrook played on that. That's how long ago it was, and that was 08 when all four number one seeds made it to the NCAA championship final four. Um, But since then, they've made the tournament, what, once, twice? They've been through how many coaches in the last 15, 20 years? It it hasn't been that same same team or same college that we've, we've been accustomed to hearing about. And Gonzaga... They play the West Coast Conference. Who in that West Coast Conference is really formidable? Or how many of those teams actually make it to the the tournament? Not many. Maybe one or two. And most of the time, it's either St. Mary's if they beat Gonzaga once or they win that conference championship. Or it's just Gonzaga, and then they're left to be the the one team standing in, and they maybe make it to the Sweet 16, and then they lose. Like, I don't know what the lure is or the lure of Gonzaga is, but – I think we need to see if they were in like the Pac-12, they were in the Big 12 or a different conference, then yes, they deserve it. But because you're in an unknown conference, can you really like prove to yourself that you're an actual one seed? Well, the wins come over the years, and that's what they feel with building reputation and then how they play against some other teams. And Gonzaga, at this point, I mean, some people are looking at this – 
program and feel that it's now going to start trending downward because how much more can you really feed into this saying that they're good, that they're elite and have the ability to take down top dogs like Duke, like Kansas, like UNC or even Kentucky. I mean, when they're, you know, in a good mood and that can actually win. So Gonzaga, I mean, I always wonder why they still play in the West Coast Conference. Mm -hmm. And I mean, part of it is the fact that they're good. And then part of it is that they don't want to really get dragged down with the Pac-12. Pac-12 is in an awkward position where they still have, you know, the history, the legacies of the colleges, but they lack the top dog pedigree that they used to have. And in, in the end where they're just not matching the same competition or even recruits of these other colleges. And so UCLA, they've had to build that back up. They mm-hmm. were going through a bit of a drought at one point. USC, I mean, looking at some of their sports, I mean, it's still lacking in some areas. I mean, they're still good with the Olympians, but their football program, unless Lincoln Riley is going to come in and really shake things up, which he could, but who knows. But yeah. staying with staying with basketball, I mean, Arizona, they're another team. I, I always hear Arizona, they're number one. They're number one. And yet here they are. I expect them to not make the final four now. I, that's yeah. just how much I think about them because I knew they weren't going to make the final four or even the elite eight. Cause that's just how it is with these Arizona wildcats. And then you always hear big runs out of, you know, Arizona state every so often. And then you see maybe Cal make a surprise into the tournament and then Oregon, Oregon is at least the most consistent that I've seen out of the pac 12. But at this point, I mean, Kansas probably could have been ranked a bit higher, but mm. you, you you saw their run. I mean, they had to take on Creighton. They took on Texas Southern in the first round. Then you take on Providence in the Sweet 16, and then you play Miami in the Elite Eight. So they had an easier run than, say, some of these other teams. I mean, you look at, say, Villanova. They had to take on Ohio State. They took on a Delaware team that at least held them for the first half, but then, you know, the second half, it opened wide open. And then they Villanova taken down Michigan and then eventually taken on another team who made it to the Final Four in Houston. And that's how those runs ended up playing out. But you, you could argue who, who had the easier run and then what it means back with Gonzaga. I mean... I don't know how much longer we're going to see Gonzaga, at least as an elite program, unless, you know, some major change continues. They'll still have a strong following, but man, it, 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 it stinks that they didn't get a national championship in the last few years. Yeah. So like looking at the last 10 years for Gonzaga, ready for this? So in 2012, 2013, they lost in the third round. The, the next year, they lost in the third round. In 2014, 2015, they lose in the regional final. They lose in a regional semifinal in 2015, 2016. They lose in a national final. They lose in a regional semifinal. They lose in a loss in a regional final. No season because of COVID, which that makes sense. They lose in a national final, and then they lose again in the, in the regional semifinal. That's a lot of, like, it's good that they made it to the national final twice, well, three times, but how many more times do you need to make it, you know? I mean, they're winning, averaging at least 25 wins per season or more, but, it, I mean, you're not getting a championship. And some of these, you're a one seed, a one seed, one seed, four seed, one seed, 11 seed. Uh, two seed, eight seed, one seed, 
Like they're getting good seats. It's just they're not producing. And this is all under Mark Few, who's taken over since 2000 or 1999, 2000 season. Yeah, so, I mean, it. you look at the favorable uh, position in those brackets and they've gotten favorable positions as well, because oh, yeah. when you're the number one seed, you get pretty much that top spot right in the bracket. And no one blows that spot usually unless, you know, you're Virginia and you take on UNBC. <laughs> I still can't believe that happened, and yet not a lot of people can. And to <laughs> see Gonzaga consistently respected and always being able to deliver in some of these games, it's just not in the biggest moment. Yeah. And, I mean, what what will it finally take to get over that hump? And it's going to really f- feel great once Gonzaga gets there. But at some point, it, it, you're gonna, something will possibly give way. And Gonzaga will have to rebuild from that point. And especially with some of the guys that they had, like Drew Timmy. I mean, he'd been there for a while now. And yet, I mean, he's still a junior. And, I mean, I'm sure he's going to come back. But it's going to be heartbreaking for Gonzaga if they can't get get this done within the next few years. So who do you think have the toughest region to get to the Final Four, then? I know I should have asked you this last week, but... Now that I'm looking at it again, who do you think had the toughest one? I mean, out of the final four teams that get made that made it, there, it yeah. Well, I, I definitely don't think it was UNC because I mean, due to the fact that they had St. Peter's and then the, the fact that you had two teams in Baylor and U, UCLA just to deal with. I mean, kind of exhausted from last year, but I think the toughest region probably to come out with would probably I would have to say. Possibly the the Duke uh, region where they had it. I mean, Arkansas uh, was definitely a top team to deal with. And then the fact that they had to play Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State had Duke on the ropes yeah. in the final minutes. It's just that. Last four minutes, that's what helped Duke. Too, too many fouls committed in those final moments. And then not to mention Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech is really actually. That's size. That they, length. They, Texas Tech has quietly built a respectable program. I mean, they, yep. they, they made that final four and deserved it. And they m- made it to that championship game, falling short to Virginia in the final moments. I'm trying to remember. I think that game went to overtime. Yeah, and because it, they fouled. I just watched, I think it was like three years ago today, that they fouled him on the three-point line. He missed the first but made the two. Um, and that's why they went to overtime, and then Virginia ended up winning it. Yeah, so, and to look at that game, and I even thought UConn was going to at least possibly do something, but they didn't end up losing to New Mexico State. But then to see even some of the bigger upsets happen into other parts of the bracket, I mean, we had Michigan with uh, them being an upset, even though they shouldn't. And then you saw Richmond uh, being a bit of a disruption out in that part of the bracket, and then Miami ended up going on a run, and the fact that Auburn didn't even make it past uh, Miami going into the Sweet 16, that that's what pretty much it comes down to, where I think the fact that you had such quality programs built on the one part of the bracket with Gonzaga, Duke, Michigan State, and Texas Tech. And UConn. And UConn <laughs> as well. Yeah, and, all, and also, you can't forget about Arkansas, because Arkansas was really good, too. 
Yeah, great respect to Arkansas because, I mean, I had a feeling that they could at least do possibly something with the fact that they had taken down Kentucky and Auburn during that year. I mean, don't yeah. sleep on the don't sleep on the Razorbacks. I mean, they they were pretty good in their programs this year, even in football, because they took down Texas and Texas A and M. Yeah, so obviously they're on a rise as well. Yeah, I, I think I will admit I thought the toughest was Duke, but I thought the second toughest was the East because North Carolina had to go against Baylor, the defending national champs. Then they had to go against UCLA. And once they got to St. Peter's, it's like, okay, we're, we're done with you. Like, you're, you're cute and all, but go away. <laughs> but I thought Purdue had a chance to win it. I thought maybe I was going more by uh, John Calipari's um, record in the tournament. I thought maybe – Kentucky could have done something. Obviously, they were a two seed, so maybe they were disguised as a two seed and not should have been a two seed. Um, yeah, they were sus. And yeah. Also, to look at this, I mean, St. Peter's. I mean, their their coach got hired by Seton Hall. He's not a new head coach at Seton Hall, and yeah. then their top players on the team they just entered the transfer portal, so they're going to be heading to different colleges and getting their opportunities. Probably going to Seton Hall, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, w- I would not be surprised if they go if they all three go to Seton all together. Um, that's that's true loyalty right there. If that right, happen. just saying. And then you also had Virginia Tech who won the ACC tournament to get in. So like, I, I thought those teams should have definitely made some more noise. But I knew like there was no way Arizona was going to win that bracket. They I thought they were going to be actually. I picked. I'm trying to remember. I picked uh, Baylor to be the first number one seed to go down, and I was right. And then I picked Zona to be the next number one seed to go down, and I was right. So I was pretty right in some of these. Yeah, but. that's where I pretty much had it too. Baylor out of after, didn't make not making the Sweet Sixteen, and then my my best pick was uh, probably Houston. I mean, I was just one pick away from getting them to the Final Four. Yeah, I mean, if Kentucky didn't ruin it, I and I remember when I was going through this, I'm like, there's no way North Carolina and Duke are going to meet in the Final Four. So I was like, I'm not going to pick that. And I thought that if it was anyone else, Duke would have been in that championship game. Had North Carolina not made it out. Just saying. But this does lead me to the question of the day, by the way. So we're talking about March Madness. We're talking about... Uh, a lot of the number one seeds. Speaking of the number one seed and the team that won it all, Kansas. So my question to you, Noah, is how many tournament games did Kansas outscore their opponent in the second half? So clearly they they played six games, but how many of those games did they outscore their opponent in the second half? Okay. Um, looking at that, yeah, outscoring your opponent in the second half. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look at some of these games – it's tough. I'm going to have to say at least just two. Just two? Yeah. Do you think two games they outscored their opponents? In the second half, yeah. Four out of the six. Oh. Uh, Texas Southern actually outscored them by one point in the second half, 37-36. Creighton was 34-40. Providence outscored them 44-40, to so that was the other one. And then, obviously, they held Miami to 15 points in the second half. They held Nova to 36 points, and they held North Carolina to 29 points. Okay. Yep. So, it, I, and I had to look back and see the box scores and everything. I'm like, 
wow, no, Kansas really is a second half team. So it doesn't really matter in that game against uh, North Carolina. Had they been up, if they had been up maybe by like 25, I think North Carolina would have won it. But they couldn't get to that threshold or even 20 points. I think they would have had it. But Bill Self used that momentum and his previous experience. Would you rather be down by nine or would you rather be down by two? So you pick. And obviously they they listen and that's why Coach Self and Kansas Jayhawks, Rock Chalk, are the national champions. Yeah, first time since 2008. I mean, it's it's been a long time. I mean, I, I – I knew it'd been a while, but it, that, that that's a long time. Like that's when I was like a wee little lad, pretty much ten years old. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that was year I graduated high school, and I remember that also because that was the same year that think about all of these players, by the way, that were in that tournament: Derrick Rose, Mario Chalmers, who hit the game-winning shot over Derrick, or at least the tying shot to send it to overtime. Against Derrick Rose, Tyler Hansborough of North Carolina, Ty Lawson, Danny Green, who's still playing in the NBA, who has three uh, world championships with one with the Spurs, one with the Raptors, and one with the uh, Lakers. Who's yeah, yeah, with the Lakers. So, um, who else? Uh, oh, Kevin Love for UCLA, Russell Westbrook for UCLA. Like those, those are the four teams. That's star power right there. That was those were the creme de la creme of all teams. And as much as I hated it, I thought, I mean, I love the fact that North Carolina lost in the final four, anyways. But against Memphis, I'm pretty sure they lost to Memphis in that one. Uh, or maybe it was Kansas. I don't remember. But yeah, it was great to watch. And I just like thank God North Carolina <laughs> lost that game because and unfortunately it came against your team the next year, but they had won the national championship Michigan against Michigan state. So yeah, but that, that is just thinking about all that, which leads us to the NBA. We talked about this a little bit last week where the Lakers going to make it to the playoffs or even a playoff uh, play in game. And we found out last night that that is no longer the case that my San Antonio Spurs are playing the play in game against the new Orleans Pelicans. In New Orleans next week. And it's going to be great because I don't think they deserve it. So for also the, like the first time that coach Popovich, I believe has coached under a 500 team to make and make it to the playoffs, not including a uh, lockout year. Um, and an interesting fact about the Lakers, they've had 39 starting lineups this season. They also had 31 wins this season. <laughs> yeah, not good for the Lakers this year, especially when I'm trying to remember looking at the possibilities for the these playoffs. I remember making a prediction and was hoping that we would have Brooklyn versus the Lakers in the finals, mainly because you looked at all the star power and how you could have Kyrie versus LeBron and then Russ versus Harden and Durant. Well, that's not happening for multiple reasons because the Lakers aren't in the playoffs and you have Harden on another team now. And to see this, it it's just awful. I mean, the fact that you had all this star power, Rajon Rondo, Russell Westbrook, you had Dwight Howard. You also have guys like, I believe, Avery Bradley, Anthony Davis, and then, of course, LeBron James. 
this should be a team that should be considered a contender. And yet here you are punching way below your weight, injured as well, because you got to remember Davis was out for quite some time. He had only played, I think, in total 14 or 15 games. Something like that. Like December 12th. So he has not played that much this year, which really affected this team. And now you have a bunch of, Older players, you got to remember, this is the oldest team in the NBA. All these guys are either in their late 20s or their early or mid 30s because they also had Carmelo Anthony to add to that list as well. I mean, this if this was, you know, five years or at least seven years in the past, then, yeah, this would be the deadliest team in the NBA. But here, here you are. This is the Expendables. It's it's just a bunch of. <laughs> Old stars, you know, like the like the movie has with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, (laughs) just listing all those old stars out there. And this is just not going to go well for the long term future of the Lakers. I mean, they got to start at some point, but yet they're waiting because LeBron will still be back for maybe another year, waiting for his son to finally reach the NBA, and then you can they can trade him to that team. Yeah, you could finally say goodbye and then rebuild from everywhere because I don't know how many players you're going to keep from this team, especially Russell Westbrook. I don't know because the only thing Russell Westbrook got yet, I'm pretty sure, is Shaq in a full MVP. He's on every week, and that's pretty much going to sum it up. But the Lakers, I mean, just complete disappointment. And even now, Vogel. He's not going to be back by by the looks of it. They're saying he could be fired just because of the fact that he couldn't carry this team and at least get something against some of these other teams. I mean, the fact that they couldn't compete, they were down like 30 to 40 points in the first half at halftime. Like the fact that you can't keep, just keep this team competing in games like that, especially against teams like the Pelicans and the Spurs, teams that beat you for that play in spot. It's just not a good look. For this franchise, especially knowing that you're only two years removed from a championship. <laughs> Can I just also say, this is what you get when you listen to GM LeBron. Because let's face it, they could have had pretty good role players right now with Caruso and KCP. And there was another guy I can't think of right now, but you wanted Russell Russell Westbrook. You wanted him. You vouched for him. You said, this is going to be the guy that's going to really help elevate us and bring us to that championship level. And when not many teams really wanted him, not saying that he's not a good player. He is a good player. He's not a top 25 player or top 75 player. I guarantee, damn, that, I don't know why he's on that list. I was going to say, he made that He made that list because he got all the triple doubles. But that, yeah, that's for another time. He's he was the only guy in OKC. That was it. Although he played with Melo, he played with Paul George. They still didn't want to play with him anymore at that time, anyways. And even the, the coach left him. So this is what happens. And in LA, they have, and this is proven to LA for a long time that you can't listen to certain players. You can't listen to the Kobe Bryant's as much as you want to listen to Kobe Bryant and how smart he was and how instrumental he was in many championships, you need a guy that's going to go in and be like, listen, we got a clean house. You're going to be gone. You're going to be gone. We don't know about you yet, LeBron, because you don't even know what you want to do. Because, again, him going to the Lakers was more of a business uh, 
strategy. It wasn't just about basketball. Now they won because they finally had those three months off during COVID. So he was able to rest up. Anthony Davis was able to rest up and then not get so bummed out or destroyed during the regular season because they started that season later on anyways. And then the finals were in October. So you had another like couple months to kind of rest up, maybe a couple weeks rest, then get your body back into, into gear, start working out, start playing games. And they did that. And I believe if I remember correctly, they had the stories of someone allowed them to go into a practice facility and start playing games and just kind of working out. So they were able to do this. However, they were more driven because of COVID. They were also more driven because of the passing of Kobe Bryant. So that's another reason. But when you give LeBron James a chance to get players, it doesn't always work out. Think about Miami. When they got they the 2014 or 2013, 2014 season, they had Rashard Lewis. They had Ray Allen. They had um, Mike Miller. They had Chris Bosh. They didn't really have much size, which is why the Spurs ended up beating them anyways. And they were the better team. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Even the first year in Miami, it didn't work out because they didn't have the right role players with them. LeBron always needs role players to help him out because for some reason, when you have star players, you don't really play as well. Now you play really well in the all-star game because, well, let's face it, nobody plays defense in that game. But in a regular season, it's a little different on your team. It's a little different. Now, unless you're going to be on a team with nobodies with like you were with the Cle- the Cleveland Cavaliers when you went back, and even when you were there in the first place when you brought them to the finals, then you can make it because you are more driven. He's not as driven anymore. And that's that's always been LeBron James' downfall. He's not that driven guy. He's not the guy that's going to say, "Get follow my lead. You can't do it anymore. You're full, almost 40. There's a reason why Kobe Bryant stopped. There's a reason why a lot of players have stopped. Now Vince Carter was different because he always kept playing. He always kept his minutes down, but he just loved playing the game as best as he possibly could. So with him, LeBron James has always played at such a high level. You can't keep playing at that high level as much anymore as you used to. You're not 18 years old. You're not 19 years old. You're in your mid thirties. You got, you have your family to think about. There's a lot more things at stake. You have your business enterprise to think about instead. And those are the things that are distracting him from keeping that mindset. I think he wants to have that mindset, but he, he just can't. Yeah, and even just the later half of this career, I mean, I, I just want to know how much is this going to affect that whole GOAT debate? I mean, it, it, he'll still be having his name in there. I mean, oh yeah, he, even down the road when you got like 20 years from now, we'll still be having this discussion, who's the greatest of all time with uh, – NBA players and then because people talk Jordan and then people look at LeBron people will look back at LeBron's resume and may look a little more harsh on some of the finals appearances due to the fact that he was only able to just only win four but he would also played a lot more tougher competition you're saying he played tougher competition yes he played against much tougher competition than Michael Jordan did than Kobe Bryant did I mean, it's tough to say. I mean, be, I mean, especially considering how Jordan had to take down Stockton and Malone twice, and then in one year he had to take down Barkley. 
And then also, I believe one of those was against like the older Lakers. Like it was the yeah. end of, like Magic Johnson's run and, and those Lakers. And then the one year, I think they took down the Sonics. And that but was- with LeBron, he's had to play against the Spurs three times. He had to play against the Warriors at least, what, twice or three times? Four times. Four times. And then you also had to play against the Mavericks in one of those. And the Mavericks were a very good team led by Dirk, led by Jason Kidd, uh, Tyson Chandler. Um, And then obviously you beat the young guys with with OKC when they had Westbrook, Harden, Durant. Um, And then you... You play against the Spurs, who gave them probably the best season and push that he's ever needed, but then you lose against them your second your second time around, and also their third game because if you remember, he made it against them in Cleveland uh, in 06-07, lost and got swept, and then you make it again in 2012-2013. You just, you win in that awesome, amazing seven game series, and then you lose in five the next season. So the Spurs have always had his number. And if you're going to, I would say because LeBron has had a different coaches to go against, like with Jordan, I don't really remember the coaches that he had to go against, but you've had to go against Greg Popovich three times. You've had to go against a guy that played for Greg Popovich four times and Steve Kerr with the Warriors. Uh, You had to go against Rick Carlisle. All these guys have been established as great head coaches and they, they have their great philosophies. So you go against LeBron James, great mindset, great uh, perseverance and mentality. It's a, it's a lot different than what it was against with Jordan. Yeah, I mean, that will be one thing to consider. And then also even uh, going up against Spolstra himself. Yeah. Spolstra has been around for such a long time and working his way up to being one of the more respectable coaches. I think he made the list as well. Yeah, uh, and well-deserved top 75 uh, NBA coaches. And then, but the look back at what the Lakers with this year, I mean, you mentioned the whole division situation where they should just get rid of it. But then it ultimately told the story of uh, how the Lakers played against their division. They only got three wins against the Pacific division. That includes the top dog Phoenix Suns. I mean, they didn't beat them at all. And then against the Clippers, you know, the team that you share a stadium with. And then the only two wins they got were two against Sacramento, which again, Mm -hmm. Sacramento, has been broken ever since, you know, the NBA ripped them off of uh, a championship. They didn't rip them off. They it, just it, weren't going to win. They it, it got ripped off by the refs. It's a whole story there. No. Uh, again, <laughs> he, a, ask Vladdy Divac and Chris Weber about that. They're, well, they're obviously, Divac would have something to say. And then um, you, you also had just a one win against Golden State. But that but that's pretty much it. They play Golden State one more time. But, again, it doesn't matter. Nope. You're not – you're not making the postseason, and you got beat out by the Spurs and the Pelicans. And honestly, Pelicans fans, they get to rejoice in the fact that they get to beat the Lakers, who took Anthony Davis because Davis didn't want to play for New Orleans. And so New Orleans made it, and they didn't even have Zion for like the last few months. And they still won't for the rest of the season, too. Yeah, they won't have him back, and then... Honestly, Zion may want out as well. There's always these stories that Zion just doesn't want to be there. His family doesn't want him to be there. So and that's just the whole story of what is going to build into the offseason. And then, but talking about the NBA postseason, welcome back, Chicago, as 
they get to go to the postseason for the first time since 2017. I mean, this has been a long time for since they're they, going to lose since they've been in the postseason. It's actually their second longest drought in their franchise. The, the the longest playoff drought they had was six years, and that was after Jordan said, "I've had enough of this," and he didn't want to play for the Bulls if Coach uh, Jackson was going to be gone. Too bad they're going to lose against the Sixers. <laughs> It's not even set in stone yet who they're going to be even playing. I mean, True. Not yet. It could be the Celtics in the first round because, I mean, the, the Celtics play the Bulls tonight, which we're filming this is uh, Wednesday. And yeah. the, the the two, three, and four seeds have not been set yet in the East. I mean, the Bucks and Sixers still have to play it out. But the Bucks and Celtics actually play each other, I believe, on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, as of right now, it would be the uh, the – the Bulls and the Sixers, I believe, because it's a four and six seed. Or no, it's yeah. the uh, yeah. Uh, it would be Bulls and Sixers right now yeah. because of the whole tie break. But th- these final games are determining it. And I believe the Sixers. I mean, they they have to play like the Pacers one more time to try and finish out their schedule. Yeah, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Celtics are all tied at forty nine and thirty right now. They're all two and a half games out, but. Like you said, they all like two through four has not been figured out yet. So it could it could very well change. I still don't think the uh, the Bulls are going to do well in the first round, depending on who they play. Because any one of those three, if it's the Celtics, maybe they have a chance to win. But because it really depends on what Celtics team you're going to get. Uh, but Jason Tatum has done really well in the postseason. Uh, how about this for? I have two things real quick before uh, we move on. How about the Cavaliers and both the Heat are making it to the playoffs? Two former teams of the late of LeBron James. Yeah, that was the big talk. <laughs> the fact that Cleveland was able to make it without LeBron for the first time since the late nineties and yep. their first winning season since then. I mean, that's really just rubs it in the face of LeBron, knowing that he's still <laughs> playing. And Cleveland, I mean. They're, they're right now currently in the they're play in. They're yep. in the playing game. They got a tough challenge against Brooklyn, which would be an interesting game. But now the the two teams they get they get to make it, and the Lakers they the, you look at it. I mean, the Lakers get old LeBron. I mean, you don't even get LeBron in his prime. You get old yeah. LeBron. <laughs> I would have rather had ten year LeBron than this LeBron. Like at least ten years ago, LeBron was really good. You know, because that's when he took he would take the headband off in the middle of the game, like f this. I'm playing this. I'm playing this way because apparently the headband gave him some kind of power or took away his power. I don't know. There was yeah. some kind of theory going yeah. on about that. Yeah, I mean, even like for soccer. I mean, you don't watch soccer, but there's the su- superstar Cristiano Ronaldo. Yep. I mean, Man- Manchester United fans they're all excited the fact that Ronaldo's back, but it's like no, like Ronaldo's <laughs> like. 36. It's an old guy. Like, he's not the same player he once was. <laughs> uh, speaking of the playoff game, the playing game, game one is the number seven seed in the standings uh, by winning percentage will host the number eight seed. So, in the Eastern Conference right now, it would be the Cavaliers hosting the Brooklyn Nets. And whoever wins that game would get the seven seed. Well, yeah, we'll earn the seventh seed in the playoffs. So they would still be able – they would be in as the seven, and they wouldn't have to play anymore. And then they would potentially go against either Celtics, Bucks, or the Sixers, 
depending if they can get they can figure it out. And then the second game in a play-in game is the number nine team, and they will host the number 10 team. The winner moving on to game three, the loser eliminated and enters the NBA lottery draft. And game three, which is again, I hate how they do this, which they just need to get rid of this because during COVID it was fine. Now I think it's just annoying. The game three, the loser of the number seven versus the eight matchup will host the winner of the number nine versus the number 10 matchup. And the victor grabbing the number eight seed in the postseason and the loser of game three will also enter the draft lottery. Yeah, I mean, it's always uh, something to remember that you got to adjust it that way because I, I always have a tendency to think, oh, yeah, the 17, seven seed's going to play the 10 and the eight's going to play the nine. I mean, that's just how, you know, it works. You would think it would go. You would think it would be that way, but then, yeah, we got the Hawks playing against the Hornets, I believe, at the 9-10, and And then you mentioned Spurs, Pelicans on the other side, while, I mean, it's still not uh, finished yet. The Nuggets could somehow end up in the seventh seed, but right now it's the Timberwolves, and they'd be playing the Clippers. Yep, so I think the Clippers should be able to win that, and that would set up a really great matchup against the Golden State Warriors, which is this is also next weekend stuff. Like the playoffs start, these play in games will be next week, but the playoffs start next, I believe, Saturday. Yeah, that's always good. The, the one Saturday during this time in April, it's like you got four NBA playoff games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my other question to you was do you know who has the best, and I mean the best division record in all of NBA? Currently, right now, you're talking. Yes. Uh, well, I would have to say, well, it's the one with the Sixers and Celtics, like the Atlantic, I think, or the East. No, no, I mean the team with the best div- uh, record against their division. Sorry. Oh, be- oh okay. That's what yep. it was. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's a little tough. Um, <laughs> They're in the Western Conference. I'll give okay. you that hint. Okay, so it is a Western Conference team. Um I would have to probably say the Suns. I mean, because through the fact that they had the best record. Okay. It is the Utah Jazz. Ah, well. They are 13 and 1 in their division. That would probably make sense because the you have the Thunder who are pretty bad and then yep. the the Blazers <laughs> who are also pretty bad that they had to sell CJ McCollum off to the, to the Pelicans. And then, I mean, the only other competitive team in that division is pretty much the nuggets. And then, I mean, the, the Timberwolves are in that division as well, but they, they sort of fell off a bit at some point. <laughs> oh, so 13 to one and the next best record is actually, if I'm looking at this correctly, is a Dallas Mavericks at 13 and two. Yeah, Mavericks have been pretty surprising this year. I mean, everyone thought that, you know, this team was in trouble after the whole Carlisle situation, and even Luka was even rumored to possibly leaving. I mean, that that's a scary situation when you have your favorite player possibly on the way out, and you finally figured it out. Carlisle's gone, and then you also send away Porzingis to Washington. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to ask you another question. Play in. Um, who wins? Who's the eighth seed? Or no, who's the seventh seed and who's the eighth seed for the Eastern and Western Conference? Who's your prediction? Well, I'm the East, we could at least say, yeah, that's pretty good. I would have to say 
Brooklyn gets the seven seed. I think they take down Cleveland because Cleveland's been on a bit of a slide right now. They lost Orlando yesterday in a game that, you know, at least got to earn and, and respect for your team because, you know, there's always something as confidence and, you know, just the fact that you're in good spirits. And I think mm-hmm. Brooklyn takes care of Cleveland. And then as far as the next game, Charlotte versus Atlanta, I still think that Charlotte may be a little inexperienced and I got to feel that Atlanta is going to at least get going to build up for that win. So I, I'm going to take the Hawks over the Hornets. And then that leaves me with Cleveland and Atlanta for the eighth seed. And then, Oh, man, this is a tough pick, but I'm going to have to take, I'll take Atlanta. I think the experience wins out. I don't think Cleveland's fully ready and they just didn't get it this year. So, I think the seventh seed in the East will be Brooklyn, and the eighth seed will be the Atlanta Hawks. I, I agree with that uh, assessment. I think Brooklyn now, especially with Kyrie Irving playing phenomenal basketball right now, um, I think that's a really good take. And, again, it could set up a matchup between uh, – look at these quick matchups you can have real quick. You could have either the Celtics versus the Nets. You could have the rematch of the Eastern Conference – uh, semifinals last year with the with the Bucks and Nets, uh, and I, I think Brooklyn is a little more determined now. And you could also have the matchup between the Sixers and the Nets. So we know there's a lot of history between those two teams as well. That one I w- that one I wouldn't mind. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of great matchups that can happen between those three teams against the Nets. So yeah, I have the Nets beating the Cavaliers. I think the Cavaliers are good defensively. I just don't think that they're there yet. I think the Hornets are still a little too young. Um, it like the, ironically, they are well. Uh, no, they're not that really good in their division. They're six eight in their division, so they don't have a good division record. They are twenty and nineteen at home and they're twenty twenty away. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think with Trey Young also potentially being back to his playoff form last year. I think that's what helps them get to the eighth seed uh, for them. I don't think if they do stay with Miami, they could upset Miami, but we'll, we'll see. In the West, I have the Clippers being the seventh seed. Uh, I think they're going to win against the Timberwolves if the Timberwolves get it. Now, the Timberwolves right now are still about two games out, I believe. Yeah. yeah, two games out from the Nuggets. So, depending on what happens with that within the next couple of days, we'll find out. But I think the Clippers will win that. And then that sets up the Spurs and Pelicans. The Spurs are 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They're winners of three in a row. They're not a good team, but somehow Greg Popovich is probably doing a his best coaching job that he's ever been able to do with also do we, do we even know who any of their stars are? Oh wait, they don't have any. Deontay Murray's their only star. So, you know what? I'm going to go with the Spurs over the Pelicans and I you know what? I'm going to put the Spurs in as the 8 seed. Oh, I'm going to try it. Going bold, I see. Oh, I'm going so bold. All right. Well, I mean, for the playing game, I mean, I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to avoid that. I think that Denver is going to lock it down. And looking at that, I think for the the Timberwolves and Clippers game, I would I would have to agree with you. I think the Clippers would 
pull off that win over Minnesota. But then here's where it gets interesting. I think San Antonio uh, falls out. I mean, seeing how just the lack of uh, cohesiveness with this roster is, I mean, all respect Coach Popovich, but again, this is probably the ugliest team he's ever had to deal with in his time. I mean, the fact that, you know, he had – uh, he had this had the stars of Duncan Parker and Ginobili and even Kawhi Leonard at one point, but yet this just shows that he could at least still get into the postseason or even a play-in game with this team. But I would say that the Pelicans pull off the win against uh, San Antonio, and uh-huh. then but then Minnesota I think still takes down uh, New Orleans. So although Minnesota is technically in a seven seed right now, I think they get leapfrogged by the Clippers. So the Clippers will end up playing in that two seed right now oh, against that two seed, whoever it may be, it might be the Grizzlies. It's the Grizzlies believe. right now that yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure the West is pretty figured out and the top five, it's the Suns at one Grizzlies at two gold state at three uh, Mavericks have a chance to get to the, um, the Warriors. They're one game back. And it could, and of course the Mavericks, I believe they played the Lakers sometime this week as well. So that could they could leapfrog, but I know the Golden State Warriors also played the Lakers as well. So <laughs> But then yeah, so I have the Timberwolves <laughs> making it in as an eight seed, and then they'd be playing the Suns. Okay. So the only one we don't agree on is the Western eight seed, and that's I pick the Spurs, you pick the Timberwolves. So we'll we'll see who's uh right next week. Or right. even by that point, we'll we'll see if anyone's right by that point, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there's anybody I think that could pull off an upset on an outside chance, probably Charlotte in a surprise, at least over Atlanta. So that's the closest thing I think could happen. Yeah. So we both have Brooklyn and Atlanta as the eight the seventh and eighth seed. We both have the Clippers as the seventh seed, and now we have the Spurs. I have the Spurs, you have the Wolves. So we'll, we'll see what happens uh, in this day in sports history. According to this on this day.com in 73, Roberto Clemente's number was retired by the Pittsburgh pirates in 1992, the 54th NCAA men's tournament Duke beat went back to back against Michigan and beat them 51 to 71 and it's second of five national championships for Duke. Also in this day in 2004, the 23rd women's tournament, UConn beats Tennessee 70 to 61. Uh, Deanna Taurasi was the MOP most valuable, most outstanding player of the tournament. That was also UConn's second straight year win on this day as well. In 09, North Carolina beats, I'm sorry, Michigan State 89 to 72. Ty Lawson scored 21 points in that game. And I remember watching that. Actually got bored. I stopped watching after the, like the last 10 minutes. I'm like, all right, I'm not watching you anymore. And also in this date on history, seven years ago, Duke won its final national championship under Coach K. They beat Wisconsin again in Indianapolis. 68-63 was the final score. And most of the points were scored by freshmen in that game. Only Quinn Cook was the senior for Duke in that game. And that is what happened on this sports and on thisday.com. Yeah, a lot of the different championships clinched in this week. And that's the reason why Duke lost this weekend, because they didn't play on this day. You're starting to sound like the whole situation with the Peacocks because they won a National Peacock Day. <laughs> you got to let me fly, Captain. I'm a Peacock. You got to let me fly. 
I don't know if you saw this video in Fox College Hoops. Uh, there was a great video on you on that they had that they put their own like March Madness like um their own oh the one shiny moment that they do at the end yeah they had like the, they made their own and they had so many great clips from all these different movies and they even used the other guys with Mark Wahlberg I'm a peacock captain you gotta let me fly <laughs> I love that line I love that movie it's so ridiculous. I'll just see if I can find that and send that to you. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but no, you have the uh, the quote of the day. So what right. is our quote of the day? Yeah, so this one is from Alice Morse Earl. And this one is like uh, something that you could always just take with you. And this quote says, every day may not be good, but there is something good in every day. So... Obviously, we go through tough days, and it just feels like you're in a rut, But and you feel like, you know, there's nothing to take away from it. But yet, at the same time, there's always something positive to take away from it in the end. So every so once again, this is from Alice Morse Earl, and it is, every day may not be good, but there is something good in every day. There you go. Uh, again, I mean, obviously kind of goes back to the beginning where uh, Coach K loses, but at the end of the day, he still had a great legacy and it wasn't going to tarnish his legacy no matter what. It would really just add on, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah good words. Uh, and uh, that's going to do it for us. Next week, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. Hopefully, we'll know who's in the seventh and eighth seed. Baseball will be back. We can talk trash about each other's team because obviously uh, in the beginning of our Zoom, I put on his uh, little name tag, it said trash on his head. So I have to. (laughs) Yeah, and then he's obviously drinking a uh, fragile glass over there, the Yankee glass that he had right there. Yeah, it's fragile just like his October hopes. (laughs) Hey, Art, it's not as fragile as you guys have been. It only took you guys, what, like the last 20 years to be relevant? We've been relevant every decade. Remember that. Yeah, n- not this one, though. I mean, no yeah. World Series. <laughs> not yet. You don't have a World Series in this decade yet. I mean, the decade just started. <laughs> See? See? We at least ended the decade in 2000. We started the decade off right. And we ended the decade off right. Just saying. And also, this last decade was the la- the first time that the Yankees were never in a World Series. That That is actually a crazy stat right there. Um, yeah, 10 years of peace. <laughs> yeah, and, and crap. <laughs> I mean, with the Astros and the Red Sox, I mean, how much crap here can you get? We need the uh, custodian to come in and sweep that crap out of you. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that a finger you're giving me, Noah? No, no. I don't go for that sort of thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but that's going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to us ramble and talk about sports, but that is what we do. You can also email us at middaymanisports at Gmail. So like us, love us. You can also follow us on Facebook. Uh, eventually, we're going to get Instagram because there's some things I have to show you eventually that uh, someone should, gave me to I need you to look over, but that's regardless of the uh, situation. So that's going to do it for us for Noah Pagler, Eric Miller signing off. Thank you again for listening and until next time.